Welcome to another edition of Good Old Sports. We're getting this to you out on Tuesday, and we're just excited uh, to, to once again be breaking down sports and just seeing where this journey takes us. We hope that you're enjoying the show so far and, and be looking for things as we add content and on social media and, and as we change up uh, different things on the show because this is just a learning process for us. But we're glad that you've chosen to tune in and uh, hear what's going on in the world of sports locally and uh, college and professional and just all over, although there's not much on the college front, no. uh, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But, uh, well, Adrian, what you got? I mean, just kind of well, starting off the show here. Well, it's just like you mentioned a while ago. Guys, be looking out, uh, looking out for us on uh, social media. Our TikTok, good old sports, underscore East Texas, East Tex, um, which is TX. Uh, and then um, on our Instagram, uh, Facebook as as well, man. You know, support us. Uh, we will uh, surely and gratefully, uh, you know, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Appreciate, <laughs> appreciate it. it. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, and that's how we start off our show, folks. Yeah, my mind went blank. My mind went blank. But yes, we will greatly uh, appreciate it, you guys. Um, like I said, we we've been putting out content. Um, we have a new logo. Uh, go check that out. Um, also, we'll treat uh, Luke Combs, my favorite artist. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, go check us out, man. And you guys will get content, you know, interviews, um, our our day to day journeys, and um, Friday uh, post uh, pregame Fridays and, and post game Fridays, um, and all this content, guys. And we'll be giving and to you as far as games and everything. So just stay tuned, you know, stay with us, and just follow us on social media. You won't be disappointed. I mean, it's a journey, uh, and, yeah. and we said that from the beginning, but we're we're taking steps moving forward, so we're excited to have y'all a part of it. Uh, as you can see, the show's already in progress. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, well, let, let's start out, uh, yeah, let's of course. Get in, let's get into this. I, I got some. With uh, local stuff, you got some beef. Oh, well. saying. It ain't a beef, but it's rather just, you know, uh, a question, rather. Okay. But let's, let's start off. We'll get into it. What you got? See, it's, it's, this show and our other show has turned into Festivus for the rest of us for like well, the past two weeks. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it, with local talent, you know, I have, obviously I've told you, you know, I have, you know, questions about, you know, I don't, I haven't. Solidly placed anybody yet because I I'm, I'm the type of person I want to wait and see what happens, but uh, there's a few few teams that you know I, I just I seriously do question okay what what are they going to do what's the game plan behind you know their offensive scheme as we know oh hold that I've got a yeah. whole section okay dedicated. all right well all right. So, uh, let's jump in here talking about last week's scrimmage uh, between Pittsburgh Chapel Hill. Some good, some bad. I mean, it just is what it yeah. is. And I will say this. We do this with preseason NFL. We do it with spring ball in college. We do it with scrimmages in high school. There, There, there is an element of game action to it. Mm-hmm. But it's not indicative of what you're going to even look like on week one. And week one's not indicative of what you're going to look like in week five and six and seven and eight and so forth. We can't put 
so much emphasis on all this. Like, I, I was, I, you know, I keep up with different things on Smoky Forums, um, started by the great uh, David Smoke, who was a, a a wonderful reporter in this area. He's down in the Waco area, but uh, if y'all want to just keep up with chatter, I would encourage you to go over there. You don't have to have an account. You can just kind of read like I do. Scroll. It helps me keep up with things going on around the league. But, um, you know, and everybody's, oh, we want, you didn't win anything. Like, I understand, you know, you can win the live court, but did you really? Um, and so what I, and I'm, I'm adding that to say this, um, that don't put too much emphasis on it. Because, like, what we saw Friday, for, for example, in, in uh, Chapel Hill with Pittsburgh, you, you saw where it took some guys a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, game speed, somebody else is across from me wanting to hurt me, um, and trying to catch up. You saw that. Bottom line, I mean, okay, you know, everybody looks at the score. That doesn't matter. Yeah. But but the big thing was, you know, we, we turned the ball over, and Coach Abram said that. You know, we talked to him a little bit after the game. He said our, our biggest mistake was we let them have the football, and, and for those of you that are Chapel Hill fans uh, that might be listening to this, you have a great offense. Like, oh, yeah. hands down, the offense in Chapel Hill is great. That's probably the best offense I've seen since Gilmer, maybe. Well, they, that's the most in, – uh, That's and I've been coaching a long time, been around the game forever. That's the most efficient offense for this point in the season I've ever seen. Yeah, because um, it's clean cut. It was everything was clean cut. You know, uh, they, they look good. They, they did on the offensive side. Now, again, if you're a Chapel Hill fan, listen to this. I'm not going to tell you, if I were y'all, I, there's some questions on that defensive side. Um, I, I have no doubt that you're going to be a state championship contender over there in 4A Division One. I. I would not be surprised at all uh, to see you in weeks four, five, and or rounds four, five, and six of the play, you know playoffs. But having said that, um, the biggest thing on the Pittsburgh side of things is we just we, we turned the ball over too much to that yeah. efficient offense. But I was impressed, and we talked about this before the show started, with what it looked like in that second half yeah. of the scrimmage. The second half of the scrimmage showed a lot more maturity, a lot more um, things just clicking. Uh, and we, we could tell towards, you know, um, just by how our offense. Our, it, well, it started with the defense. Start with the defense. They they came out, made some stops. Yeah, it was, uh, and then the you know, offense was clicking. So, a lot of it was mentality. I I, I I don't say that you know Pittsburgh lacks talent. I don't believe that at all. We you know they have the talent, uh, but it was more mental mistakes than it was anything happening as far as getting the schemes run. You know. And I'm I'm gonna air some beef here because you said you know lacking talent. There are no real talent evaluators in the stands anymore. Like, there's too many people that think they know football, and, and they do this with the NFL, like the talking heads. Oh, what are the what are the uh, whatever team going to do this year? Well, those are NFL players, guys. Like that guy's talented, um, and we do that with high school. Oh, what are we going to do? Those kids are talented. Like, there's plenty of talent on the field. Now, there's some schools. God bless their souls. That have no talent. Uh, they, they they put kids in uniform. They put them out there. They they look like a, a 
some semblance of an offense and some semblance of a defense and some semblance of special teams, but they're just not talented. But by and large, teams put out talented players. Oh, for sure. And I don't understand this of this way of looking at, oh, they're just not talented. Well, how good were you? Like, I... I, I don't know. It just aggravates me. These guys that get on, you know, the even on Smokey and that are, are in the stands, you know, well, they need to be doing this. Well, time out. Like, who made you the authority? And unless you've been in that realm, you shouldn't be judging yeah. talent. Yeah. Like, I want to ask them, okay, do you, do you even know the system to grade out a quarterback? You know, do you know how to grade out a running back or a, a defensive tackle or an offensive guard? Like, do you know the process, what to look for? Like, and, and the majority of people, wait, what? There's a system? Like, yeah. wait, what? Well, I say this, and, you know, because I can be that person too in the stands. Um, by the end of the game, I boil it down in my mind, just like Friday. I boil it down in my mind. You're not as bad as some people. Like, you're my best but, friend, though. It's okay. <laughs> I, like, I give you a, a pass that I don't give other people. But you know, like, I, other people annoy me. I'm like, shut up. Like, but I, I boil it down in my mind, and I think, well, you know, it's not as bad as what we think. And then I check myself. 80% of the people that are sitting, or more, in the people sitting in the stands could not do what those players on the field or on the court could do. They couldn't do it when they were in high school. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just, I but don't it, understand. It, so, it takes a special kind of talent or gift to be able to do what they do. And it's just like I said, Friday, um, after the scrimmage, if anybody, any other team or coach that's coming up against those, either Chapel Hill, Pittsburgh, or whoever, you know, pick your team. If they grade you your season off of that first scrimmage, they they will, or could be, uh, sadly mistaken. Yeah, that, because, like that would be insane. Yeah, because you if you look at that team and say, "Oh well, that's the season," <laughs> that's yeah, how yeah, we got. Can, yeah, you, you can look at Chapel Hill's offense and you can tell that like that's going to be yeah. Good offense. But the rest of it, no, I wouldn't grade. No, and and you know, you can't you can't judge the rest of the season off of how they play in the first scrimmage because that's just like you know watching Pittsburgh. They had two, three different sets of offense and defense. You know, nobody had a set uh, position, so you can't judge off of who's going to be playing where, who's going to be doing what, because they there wasn't a set uh, look for anything, but. And, and same for uh, Chapel Hill. Now, Chapel Hill wasn't as big as of, a, of a team as Pittsburgh was, but they didn't have, a, they never had set who was going to be where or set offense or defense. But they're, like you just mentioned, their offense ran very good. I don't know what, what was that that they ran out of? They were out of the gun. Yeah. Uh, they're just a straight gun, one back in the backfield uh, type look. They ran um, mostly. Uh, trips to the near side, twins to the far. Yeah. Um, for the most part, sometimes they would go balanced, uh, just and, and add a tight end. Um, but I mean, that that's an efficient offense. It's going to be good for what they're going to do. But you're right; you can't evaluate off of of just these early scrimmages. I remember one year uh, when I coached at Harmony, uh, we uh, scrimmaged Hugh Springs. Yeah. And we, I mean, I got my rear chewed after that one. 
Everybody hit. Tim was hot to trot, man. I mean, he was mad. Coach Tim Russell. And uh, not happy. Like, clearly not happy. And you would have thought that we weren't going to win a game. Like, <laughs> you would have thought that we thought that we were going to go, like, 0-10. And, 10 yeah. and be, we went 10-0. Like, it, it's just, <laughs> like, you can't. Like, it, it's and it's tough. Especially, you know, because you want to come out every game and you want to just dominate and even in these other scripts you want to come out and say oh you know we're clearly the better team but it didn't happen that way but we progressed we got better now the the thing the thing that I would if I'm you know a Chapel Hill or some of these other schools that I looked at that everybody came out and said oh they dominated you got to be careful not to peak too early uh, Coach Abram talked about that in his interview with us that we posted you can't peak too early and sometimes, and this is not all the time. I'm not saying this is going to happen with these, with with these teams. A, a bunch of them are just talented teams. But you can peak at that point, and it's kind of like, okay, where do we go from here? Yeah. And while you're sitting there staying, at everybody else is steadily getting better, and then you get to. You know, maybe you still make it through your districts, you still win your district, but then you start getting into the playoffs and you run into a team like we were last year where we just got hot at the right time and people just didn't want to play us. Yeah. Like, and you can run into those teams that you look at and go, well, they're not, and then you go, whoa, wait a minute, they just rolled off four, five, six wins in a row heading into the playoffs. That's impressive. You, you know, and so you you just got to keep that balance. But it's important um, for fans. It's important for coaching staffs. It's important for players to realize these are developmental games. Yeah. Uh, these, are cl- th- these are only for you to get a little bit of a game speed to it, get somebody other than your team. You know, now I joke about it with Carthage that, most of the time, the best team Carthage faces all week is themselves. I joke about that, but um, in most cases, you want somebody different. Like, you don't want to right. face your scout team every week. I, I, you and I were talking, and I don't remember who you were saying, you know, they knew the play uh, before it ever got ran. You know, they would go pick it off. Oh, my goodness. I think it was an NFL team. Oh, it was with Tom Brady. It was some guy who played with Tom Brady was saying that. You're like, that Tom would get mad and he was like, well, we knew the play. I can't remember who it was. But, but that happens even in the high school. Yeah. You know. And so, yeah, you want that game speed, those game reps. But you also realize this is for our development. This isn't going to go in the win-loss column. This is just us moving guys around, seeing what works, and getting them some, some game speed. So, again... Back to what I say, you know, um, we saw good and bad at, out of uh, uh, the Pirates, but I, I I liked the way that we were trending towards the end of the scrimmage. Yes. I, I like the. I, I mean, I don't want to say I like. I love the response because they didn't give up. And if you were, if you followed the Pirates last season, uh, towards the end of the season, uh, they didn't want to quit. Yeah, they didn't quit. Even in the playoff game, you know, they lost to Quinlan Ford 35-34. They played to the last seconds. You know, they never gave up. And, you you know, you could see that carried on into this season, that same fight, that same grit. And then on top of that, you know, they were well-conditioned. 
very well conditioned. I, I say, you know, they could have played another two quarters if they wanted to. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I love the grit. I love the resilience that they have. Um, but I look forward to seeing, you know, this week, you know, the mental mistakes being corrected. Uh, and playing with a little bit more grit and a little bit more focus. Uh, yeah, and so that, that brings us to this week's scrimmage. We're going to be against Paris yes. and Pittsburgh. What time is that ball game? It's probably about around the same time. It starts around six. Starts around six. You know, you have yeah. freshmen and JV do their uh, uh, stuff, patrol. and then you have your your varsity come out. But around six, we're going to get to see a wing T offense out of Paris. Um, so another running offense. But the the thing that I'm looking for in this scrimmage is the consistency of the blocking by the offensive line. Yes. Uh, if we can, if, and you saw that that they kind of got together as a unit in that same half, and 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 were more consistent, and that allowed for some runs. And and, and here's the thing: everybody's going to be looking. Well, if that only got three yards, that's not, no, that's exactly what that offense is designed to do. Now yeah. you may get runs that are four, five, six, seven, eight, ten yards, but that offense is designed for three, three, and three. And if you can do that consistently, and you're moving the chain. Yeah, you're doing something. Well, it, it just is what it is. Well, coming from out of you know from Pittsburgh, where you're used to seeing uh, the pass, you know, you, you played out of the spread for uh, more than a decade. You know, yeah, it, well over a decade, yeah, almost two. Yeah, and you know, it started when you know Coach uh, Robert Manley came in in '07, and that was still when you know uh, Kendall Wright was there and. You know, they ran out of the out of the uh, gun, and so they did that for years. And then you know, Brad Baca came along, and it was the same type of offense. Coach you know, Meeks ran out. Oh well, yeah. Well, before before uh, Baca, it was yeah, Coach Meeks, and then you know, Baca. so for years Pittsburgh has seen the spread offense. Now this shouldn't be new to some of the older generation of Pittsburgh because before then they ran out of power eye with mm-hmm. with Coach. Uh, uh, Cleveland and and then uh, the uh, athletic director that preceded him, you know, yeah. uh, for many years. So, yeah, I mean, you, you you see that, but but that's what I'm looking for is that consistency this week. Yeah, me too. Uh, on the offensive line, I liked the improvement by the defense as the game went on, yeah. picking up reads and keys and things like that, and that's just going to happen, um, especially like I say. Chapel Hill carries out what they do very well. Um, they move some guys around the backfield to, to get your eyes moving, and then they leak a guy in the in the flat um, very well. There was a couple times, you know, they would leak a guy to the post. I mean, it, they just carry out their stuff. Uh, but I, I am eager to see that, uh, see us pick up some things, and, and, and just do continue to improve heading into the big game against uh, Mount Pleasant. Right out the gate, yeah. Uh, the I think we've learned that they're gonna deem that the black and gold classic. Yes, the black and so, gold classic, man. So we're excited to see the team progress as we move to that. Now you've touched on uh, offenses and and different ones. There's several uh, that are in. Now we're in year two of the slot T in Pittsburgh, but but that's still a relatively new thing for us. Yeah. Um, You've got Spring Hill, who's moved to the the pistol flex bone. You've got Jackson Hill, who moved to the wing T. You've got Tatum, who moved to the the flex bone under Coach Whitney Keeling, who carried it out so well at Waskin. 
So some marquee programs um, are well known. I, I, I say marquee. I mean Tatum's probably the most marquee out of those three. Yeah. But some more well known programs that uh, you know have completely changed up their offensive scheme. And what you're seeing is guys go back to um, the way football used to be. Yeah. And, and you know, people. Okay, why? You know, in the era where we want to see the Patrick Mahomeses and the, you know, the Tom Brady's and the guys who just dink and dunk or, or air it out, you know, but we want to see that type of offense. Yeah. Why would you do that? Well, because quarterback development is a lot harder than people think. If you're going to run the spread consistently, you're going to have to be able to, to consistently pop out a quarterback who can make those reads and make those throws and, and go through his progressions and, and make things happen. And you're going to have to, every two to three years, produce a quarterback yeah. at the varsity level that can do that. And that doesn't just happen. Like, eventually, in most places, you run out of guys who can really do that. They can do other things, but in order to consistently run that type of a system, no. I mean, that's just tough. Well, yeah. Well, it's been you know said you know the quarterback positions is, is the toughest as well. Probably the toughest or one of the toughest uh, positions on the football team. And then on top of that, I like the run offense because you know it it's a control of the game. It it gives you control of the game, control of the game clock. And if you can run it well, then you know it's hard to stop. And it's hard, and we've seen that a lot, you know. Last year, you know, with Pittsburgh, once they got really going, you know, it was, it, offense clicking. It's hard for them to stop. And, you know, it's hard. You know, people people say, well, it was a point in the season. You know, people we need to pass the ball. Well, that's a patience kind of offense. You have to have patience. You have to trust the po- uh, process. And so, see teams this Wait, season. Trust the process. That's a foreign concept to most people. <laughs> but. You know, seeing you know these teams as well as Paris. You know, I didn't know Paris ran out of the uh, wing tee until you know a couple of months ago. Yeah, they mo- they moved to it last year. I think was their first right. year in the system. So I mean, seeing these teams go back to a run offense after you know a couple of years ago, you know, it went viral. Coach saying you know high schools need to stop uh, sending the players and running out of wing tees, slot tees, and flexes. And you know, sending their players to college because once they get to college, they won't know, basically won't know anything. Well, the thing is, that's not true. Um, one because colleges, for its own sake and for a football player's sake, you have to train a player in you know the way that you want them to play. Mm-hmm. And running the ball, I, I said this for anybody can run the ball, but it takes a special person to be able to throw it, to be able to catch it, and if that player is talented and is able to get to that level in college, they're able to get there for a reason. It's not because out of, it's not because of the playbook that they ran in high school. Well, and and it was like when I when you told me that, I remember that it was about a year ago. I yeah. Think. And I said, listen, it's not a high school coach's job. To develop D1 players. It's his job to win ball games and develop solid football players 
that may quite well turn out to be Division One football players. Yeah. But but if every high school in America went to whatever they wanted to do to tailor to the colleges, nobody, it would be the sloppiest football you've ever seen in your life. Because what that guy, and I don't know who he was, I don't even know if he was a real coach. Um, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. But what that guy was clearly overlooking is if he was in the Division One realm and around it every day, he lives in a realm where that's the cats that walk around. Like that, those are the dudes that you see every day. Like they're they're Division One for a reason. Yeah. Okay. Even you know, it's like Nick Saban has to remind people all the time when Alabama gives up seven points. Well, they're Division One too. Like, but <laughs> <laughs> they got athletes too. Um. So so what if that's his profession? And again, I don't really remember. But if that's who he's around, that's that's what he's around all the time. Most towns don't have one of those. Yeah. Much less 11. Much less 22 for both sides of the ball. <laughs> like, you, you could chase that rabbit trail, but, but the problem I have with that whole deal, and, and this is the problem, I'll go on a little bit of a ring here. This is the problem with people who don't know how to evaluate football or sports because they do the same stinging thing in basketball and baseball. Everybody wants to do what they see on television. <clears throat> they ain't pros. They're not Alabama. They, you know, And I could go on and on. You can't look for that. What you look for in a good high school program is uh, a, a consistency and solid players. Players that carry out what they're asked to do and do it efficiently and in a good manner. I mean, even the state championship teams that we all look up to, um, the Dangerfields, the... Uh, uh, Salinas, uh, Carthage, yeah, I mean Carthage does produce some some D ones. Those teams have at various times. I understand that, but the majority of those guys don't play Division One. No, they, 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 they don't. But does that mean that these programs have felt? No, they produce solid football players. Now some of them turn out to be Division One football players. Some of them turn out to be. You know, maybe a JUCO guy for a couple years. But that's not the goal. The goal is get those guys to be the best them that they can possibly be. And whatever happens after that is up to that player and whoever takes him into their program. That, that to me, was just a... I, I didn't understand it at the time. I don't understand the way people look at it now. It is on a college coach to develop a guy to be what he wants him to be for his Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three program. That's on him. Yeah. And for, for anybody to pass the buck off, that's ridiculous. But but you and I want for for those of you that are just high school football fans, it's okay for you to accept that those guys are just really good high school players. Like quit telling a kid that he's not a good player just because he's not gonna go play Division One football. Some of the best high school players I've ever seen didn't go on to play Division One football. They were good for what they were being asked to do and for who they were being asked to, to face and who they were asked to win games against. Um, and I could name tons of, of kids that I've watched through the years, either coached them or watched them or covered them, that were great football players. They were. 
But today, you know, they're they're uh, teachers or they're blue collar workers or they're you know they're other things. They're not playing Division One football. They're not playing on Sundays. Mm. I mean, the numbers are so minuscule. We've got to quit um, putting those kids up on that that grading system. Where hey, if, if we don't think you're Division One talent, you're no good. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you see that a lot in. In towns where that's the expectation, and and so not me. You've talked about this a, a, a few times. Is you know you, I, I've seen it a lot of times, and um, down the road in uh, Dangerfield, you know Dangerfield has their fan base is different. They have a very they have a good team. They've had a solid dynasty for years and years to come. But the thing is, you know, you can't, like you said, you can't put kids up on that in that grading system or on that pedestal and expect them to be great all the time. And if they're not, also another thing, if if a kid doesn't want to pursue college football, they may be good in high school. But if it's not their goal to go into college and play, don't force it on them. Because I had a, I have, I have a cousin who was really good. Uh, in uh high school, mm-hmm. but he made up in his mind. You don't want to run back from Pitt. No, 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 not him. This is a, he played for Pittsburgh. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> to run it, they talk about him. Uh, yeah, I was gonna go on a whole different thing about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that briefly after that. After this, but anyways, I have I have a cousin. You know, he made up in his mind that you know I don't want to play football in college. You know. Started, he was a starting guard for Pittsburgh. You know, I, I don't want to play uh, football in college. That's not what I want to do. And he made up his mind. He was good at what he did in high school. Possibly could have went to the next level, but he decided that's not what I want to do as a career. I want to do something different, and that's okay. Just because a kid doesn't want to pursue football at a dip, at the at the next level does not make them oh they're just not good enough or that's just lazy or that's the, no it's that kid has have their own life to live let them live it you know mm-hmm. uh, but I, I've seen players all the time I've seen players you know and there's some that even have tried to go and do good at the next level but they just don't cut it. You know, and, and that's okay. Yeah, like, and they that, need to be told. They need to be told that that is okay. Yeah, because yeah. they they think, oh well, I just wasn't a good football player. No, you were good for what. It, it's okay to be good for what you're asked to do in high school. Yes, and to just be competitive. You know, go out there, be the best you can, you you that you can be, and yeah. go win a football game. It's just yeah, that's fine. Yeah, uh, but so so there we go. That's our. My rant on that, that's but but it's back to that the point that we were making that that's why um, teams are going back to just doing what they can do, yeah. being the successful programs you know that they can be. But you mentioned my uh, the uh, Lejeune. What? Why? Why? Well, you brought him up. You brought him up. What are you talking about? No. Uh, well, no, Lejeune was just different, man. Uh, yeah, he ended my coaching career. <laughs> <laughs> he was just yeah, Jason. If you're out there, we could not stop you. Okay, yeah. we were not catching you that night. 
Uh, I'm just letting yeah. you know. We, we didn't have an answer for you. If you're listening to this, yeah. we had and, and If anybody who knows, you know, LeJathan Allen from uh, out of Paul Pewitt, they all know that that, that, that ball was different. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sorry. That's all I say. He was different, man. Hey, you owe me an apology, man. <laughs> he, was, he was a very good running back for Pewitt. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean that's 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 the spill. I mean, high school sports are it's high school sports. If you go to the next level, that's great. You that's a blessing. But if not, don't mean you know. Don't hang your head, man. Just keep going. Yeah, just keep going. Well, now let's get into some news. All right, let's get into some. It's a, it's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot. Been a lot. So, as always. Yeah. Every sports show right now has to lead with this. If you're going to talk about pro sports, now we generally would talk about college here, but there's no college. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. Like from it college is yet. quiet. Kind of makes it, it more interesting. Dead. It it popped up and it came up when uh with, with Arch Manning going to Texas and then uh, Brian Kelly and then it just went quiet again. And then the 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 little deal with uh. The reporter asking Nick Saban about oh the yeah He's that like, old spiel yeah I'm not gonna answer that yeah. moving on <laughs> <laughs> anyways but that's like it there's nothing on the college front so sorry for you college fans hey we're ready for it too we're yeah. ready to talk about it ready but for my long it's horns. just not well you're ready for your Longhorns my Texas A&M Aggies and my Alabama Crimson Tide and I know. How do you root for those two? Well, because I like both the coaches. They might not always like each other. But I like them. Okay, uh, I, I like both the coaches. I like the programs they run. So it just is what it is. Live with it. You're going to have to listen to it all year long. I like both teams. Um, but I, I would love nothing more to talk about real football in the SEC while y'all float around in the Big Twelve. But and then realize what's going to happen to y'all when you play the big points. Um, now I heard it first. Y'all heard, you heard that, right? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. anyways, but we'll talk about that when the time comes. But sadly, for now, nothing. So, jumping into NFL, leading with, I mean, was clearly still the biggest NFL headline out there right now. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson. Yep. A uh, lot of moving parts still, but we still have not heard what the. Uh, retired attorney general who is looking over the appeal is going to do. And I don't understand that uh, because he didn't... There's no new evidence. It's not a hearing. He's just reviewing what the judge said, right? Mm -hmm. And that he's supposed to look at that. He's supposed to look at the evidence that was entered in that case and make a decision. He could... I mean, there was a lot of thought that the decision would have come last week. Then there was thought that it would come right before the uh, preseason opener where they decide to, sh- to start Deshaun Watson, which is a whole different deal. I think there was a lot of... I, and you and I talked about it off the show, and I understand what you're saying. You know, he hadn't played. Just see what you have because at some point he's going to be your quarterback. But now with the timing of all this, I think that was more of a political move. I don't... I, the more that I've thought about that, I think it had less to do with football and more of, let's see how he's received. Like, let's put him out there in front of some fans, and let's show the NFL what the fans think. Because that's the bottom line with this whole situation. Anybody 
that thinks that this is about justice is sadly deceived, like greatly deceived. The NFL could care less about justice because if this was about justice, Deshaun Watson probably would never play a game. Ever. I mean, like, if this was about justice on anybody's part, he probably goes to prison. And the, the other thing, and I've heard others bring this up, I'll, I'll give uh, credit where credit's due. I mean, you know, I listen to other talk shows just like y'all do. Um, and another good point, and I'll bring it up and, and we can dissect it ourselves, get a, give our own takes on this. Why is this not being looked at as four separate incidences? So so here's the other thing. Hmm, four. It, if this was if this was about justice, then why are not, why are all the instances not being looked at? So there was at least twenty four lawsuits. Okay. He settled twenty of the twenty four. So the NFL said, okay, since you settled the other twenty of the twenty four, we're only going to look at the other four. But what they did in the when they when they took it to um, the the judge, right? Mm-hmm. And they go through the process, the retired judge who heard the, the hearing. Instead of saying, we want to charge him with four separate acts of misconduct against the policy, they lumped the four together and they're saying, okay, we just want to basically charge him for one. If this is about justice, why wouldn't you say, okay, we want six games for one woman number one, six games for woman number two, six games for woman number three, and six games for, for woman number four? If that's about justice, why was it not heard that way? I don't understand that. Nobody in the commissioner will not answer that question. He's been asked, why is this not being looked at as four separate incidences? Because it would be in a court of law. So if if this had gone to trial, he would have been each woman. He would have been charged with each woman. So why is the NFL not looking at it with as four? Why are they so eager to just? Lump it together, throw it out there, and just see what happens. That's what I'm saying. It, it, don't be deceived. This has nothing to do with really wanting. And I'm going to read some comments from the commissioner here in a minute that makes it sound like that's what he wants. But th- th- this has nothing to do with that. This is all about like public perception. Mm-hmm. And, and that I, it, it's mind-boggling in the timing of everything. That why is this being drug out? You, I mean, look over it. Make your decision. Do what you're going to do to the guy. And then when they don't do that, the Browns decide, hey, we're going to put him out there. Let's see what the fans do. That's what I'm saying. This is all about, and and that puts a little bit of pressure on the committee. Well, the fans don't care. You you see what I'm saying? Like, that's the, it's all, it's a PR thing, which is incredible to me. That we don't really care what he did or didn't do. We care about how is this going to be perceived publicly? I, there's a lot to it. Yeah. Well, that seems to be the case with anything nowadays. But, you, I mean, you look at it as if... Okay. And mind you, this has been going on for almost two years. Almost two years. But you look at it like this. The reason by... And we talked about this. The reason behind the judge's decision, and this is why I think... It's fair. And the NFL may be looking at it that way as well. They probably, because what the judge said is she 
She looked at you know two other cases, Ezekiel Elias and then uh, ben, uh no uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Well, Ben Roethlisberger's case. She really looked into that one. Yeah, but the but the NFL botched that one. Like if okay. we want to go back in the record books, that was terrible. Okay, so maybe that's so. Maybe that's why they're not looking at it woman by woman because they if we do that and we come to come to a conclusion, then they're going to look back at Ben Roethlisberger and say, okay, well. Why did y'all do that for him? That, that, that's what, and that was basically what she said in her yeah. her ruling. I've read through all the the documents. Yeah, she basically says, "Listen, you didn't pop them, so I can't set a new precedent here." Right. That's what the NFL is wanting to do. Is they're wanting to set a new precedent that says this is how we're going to handle people from here on out. Right. I understand that. But there's still if if that's really what you want, then why did you not just do that from the beginning? Why right. didn't you pop him and say, you know what, we're gonna shelf you. If you want to appeal it, you can. We'll allow you to go through the process, but we're gonna go ahead and preemptively do this. Why did you allow him to continue to draw a salary all last year? Now I understand Houston chose to keep him off the field, which is a whole other question I have. Is if they if if they claim they didn't know. Then we find out that they suppress thirty other women. Yeah. Themselves, they get popped with a fine over all that. But if if everybody knew all this, even to the extent of we're not going to let you play, we don't want you around. They didn't even let him in team facilities, by the way. Right. I, I the whole thing is just so mind boggling, and there's so many layers to it, like. You know, this started out as one heading on my sheet of paper here, but then you start chasing the rabbit holes yeah. and trying to loop this all together. Uh, so I, I, you go ahead because I'm going to yeah. read in just but, a moment some well, things. Well, you say you, it's been chased like rabbit holes. Well, that's because the further you dig into this topic and this case, the more layers you peel off. It's like... You're trying to connect the dots, and right now the dots are all over, all are, are all over the place. But with the, in Deshaun Watson's case, man, you know, and I and I told you this, you know, the uh, the other day when and you brought it up. Matter of fact, you know, when you're 25, you're that young, and you've give you're giving millions of dollars. You've given you're being paid millions of dollars. You, um. You get into some stuff. It's more like your issues and your problems are then magnified, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like I said, it comes with the job. It, it comes more money, more problems. Yeah, more money, more problems. And I would say I, I don't, you, you know, I clearly don't agree with the NFL digging any further with it. You know, if the judges made a case, then let that be. But the NFL, they're known for doing this. They did it with Ezekiel Elliott and. Uh, Jerry well, Jones almost that, lost his seat on the board because of it. I think that the NFL thought that she was going to say, "You know, what, I'm a, I'm a." I think they thought she would look at it from the perspective of the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. But again, if that's what you wanted to do, then then say to her, "Charge it as four counts." Right. I, I mean, but I think that in the back of their mind, they're thinking, "Okay, here's a former judge." She's going to want to throw the, you know, if it was in her courtroom, she would want to throw this guy under the jail 
So she's going to have no problem saying, you know what, at least a year, if not an indefinite suspension. Which, if you listen to the commissioner talk, he keeps saying a year, but then he'll slide in that indefinite word. The commissioner really wants Deshaun Watson out of football. He wants an indefinite. He wants it to be his decision when and if Deshaun Watson ever plays football again. But the issue is that he, at some point in all of this, had to have given inside information to the owner of, of uh, the Cle- the uh, 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 I think it's uh, Haslam, I think is the owner, of the, the Cleveland Browns. He had to have given the inside information because they pull the trigger. They go all in. They bring in Deshaun Watson, and then they negotiate a contract that anticipates a year-long suspension. Mm. They did that. There was clearly a conversation had. Yeah. Now there was an insider that that's in part of this process that said that there was twelve games were offered and I think it was a ten million dollar fine. Twelve games, ten million dollars, y'all take it and we won't bring the it, it just goes away. His side said no. I really think if you had to if you gave them a do over, they would have kept, now they might not have would have taken the twelve games. I think they probably, though, instead of walking away from negotiations, would have countered with ten games and a ten million dollar fine, because he's he's getting paid the one million this year. And then it would have just, but the 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 issue is because of what the commissioner has done. Now here's where he's trying to cover his tracks. Listen to what he said uh, when interviewed the other day. He said um, he was asked. Why they continue to appeal this? Why chase it down? He called Watson's behavior egregious and predatory. I mean, they want they want Deshaun Watson seen as a predator. the The way that they are presenting this is here is a guy who intentionally sought out these women for escort like services. Time and time and time again, maybe, I mean, far more than we know about, because supposedly, according to people who are around it, but kind of on the outside looking in, there's probably about 60 other women, at least, that he either contacted or actually brought into his home. And he, and, and I'll get to what he said, what Deshaun Watson said the other day. But, so he calls this egregious and predatory. So when asked why they continue to pursue it, he says, because we've seen the evidence. She, talking about Judge Sue Robinson, was very clear about the evidence. Uh, he told this to the Washington Post, uh, Mark Mass. She reinforced the evidence that there were multiple violations here and they were egregious and it was predatory behavior. So... He, he even says there are multiple violations. Then try it that way. Yeah. If we're all being honest, there should be a year-long suspension, at least, with a, with a tag-on that Deshaun Watson needs to go get help. He needs some sort of therapy. Um... And I I believe that if Deshaun Watson had taken what was offered, whether it be 10 games or 12 games, 
with a fine, that's probably what we're looking at. It's you take this, you go get help, and then we'll, we'll let bygones be bygones, and we won't bring it up again. It'll just be, here's a young guy who made some mistakes. He went, he sought help for it. That's it. I, you know, I do think there's something there that he needs help. You know, how, and it's not... Now, I, I disagree. I understand why the the word predatory behavior is being used. I disagree with the implication that that brings publicly because it's like, oh, he's a predator. No, he's more than likely just a young man like everybody else that has um, things that go on and, and he he's trying to indulge that, but it's so different than an alcoholic. You know, they, they want to indulge it, but they don't know when to stop. They don't yeah. know when to quit when to give up. Um, he clearly had that problem. What would we do if this guy... What they would do is they would get... If if he... Okay, if this was about alcohol or drugs... Yeah, go give, go to rehab. Yep, they would be in rehab. Why is that not being offered? Now, I'm not saying that it wasn't in the negotiations, but why not tag that on? It, even from the judge, I don't understand why she didn't just say, okay, listen, I'm going to put you on the shelf for a year, you go get help, and the league's going to leave this alone. There would have been no appeal. There would have been no conversations. It just would have been what it is. Right. Um, but the league clearly thinks that there's something there. They want him out of the league, which, I mean, that just is what it is at this point. That's how they feel about it. But I asked the question, what do they know? I wish they keep saying all the evidence, but I don't even think that they're putting all the evidence on the table. Exactly, because if that's the case, this would have been handled a long time ago. We wouldn't be at this point with it if they if all the evidence that they claim that they have. I think they got it. I just think that it's such a PR nightmare that I I think that there's because if, especially if you listen to the commissioner talk. Now I don't trust the commissioner as far as I can spin. But if you listen to like and, and just look at some of the language like what I just read to you, he clearly knows that there's some very bad choices that were made. Good. There's some behavior that is very troubling. But I think, you know, Deshaun Watson was on the verge of being part of the face of the NFL. Like he hit the scene. He put the Texans on the map. They were in the playoffs. I mean they're they're that close, I mean, just a few minutes away from beating Kansas City at one point and moving on. Yeah. The year that Kansas City wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, I mean, they're right there. Um, they're in the mix, and it's because of Deshaun Watson. He was on the verge of being up there with the, the Josh Allens and the, the Patrick Mahomes of, of the world on that spectrum, that scale. I mean, he comes out of... Um, uh, Clemson. Clemson, and, and, and he played, you know, at a high level there. We saw that. So you have all of that there, and then you're going to have to come back and say, uh, guys, we didn't do our homework. Because my question is, if you go back and you ask uh, Dabo Sweeney, hey, did you ever hear rumblings? Like, yeah. did, did, did anybody ever call you? I think that that's the problem. Everybody saw what happened to Art Browse and they don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. That man got banished from football. Period. Yeah. Now he reappeared in, 
in Mount Vernon and made all their hopes and dreams come true. But, I mean, because that's just it, what it, it does. Is what it is. Yeah. But, but, because of that, I think everybody's just so afraid. Like, you could ruin careers here with this story. I, and I think that that's why everybody's just trying to... So I'll tell you what, so... so everybody's treading lightly. Yeah, and here's what Deshaun Watson finally came out and said. Deshaun Watson... And this is um, a story by ESPN staffer Jake Trotter on the 13th. So what, today's the 16th, three yeah. days ago. Put this out there. Uh, he did an in-house interview with Brown's pregame show that aired on Cleveland News 5. And this is from Deshaun Watson. He said, quote, I want to say that I'm truly sorry to all of the women that I have impacted in this situation. The interview took place before Friday night's preseason opener against Jacksonville. Uh, prior to Friday, this is what, uh, again, is in this uh, ESPN story. Watson had said in his only two interviews with reporters since joining the Browns from Houston Texans that he had no regrets regarding any of his actions during the massage sessions. Uh, in his second interview during Cleveland's minicamp in June, Watson reiterated that he had no regrets about his actions, though admitted he regretted the impact the allegations had on the people around him. However, he indicated differently on Friday. He went on to say in the interview on uh, Cleveland 5, the the decisions that I made in my life that put me in this position, I would definitely like to have back. But I want to continue to move forward and grow and learn and show that I am a true person of character and I'm going to keep pushing forward. Why didn't you say this initially? If he would have just asked <clears throat> public apology, again, it's the timing. This, this interview comes out right before he's going to make this big opener. We're going to see how the fans react. It's all about timing here. This has nothing to do with justice. It has everything to do with timing. It's just like you said. It's a PR move. On everybody's part yeah. at this point. It's about looking good in front of the camera and on camera and in and, 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 and front of the public. It's not about, you know, just like you said, you know, he don't feel any kind of, he don't regret anything that he's done. But then now he's saying different. He's saying he's sorry. I regret the choices that I've made. Yeah. Well, okay, well, what choice? See, that's where if I'm interviewing, what choices, Sean? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? How far? And, and he says, in my uh, young life, well, what about Clemson? Yeah. How, 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 many, how many cheerleaders? How many How many uh, student trainers? How many? <laughs> again, I mean, you could you could just really poke and prod this beggar. Yeah. And there's a lot there. But right? like you said, it's a lot of careers that could be on the line if that happens. Everybody's treading water because everybody knows if this really spills over, it can destroy. I think there's a lot to it's. It's like the government. I mean, like if you ever pop the lid open, it's Pandora's box, man. Yeah, you don't want to do it. You, there could be irreparable damage to a lot of people. Yeah, about who knew what, when they knew it, how much they knew. Was this included in yeah. his pre-draft? Because they they do all sorts of evaluations, psychological personality. What the Texans know, and and why? Okay, then you bring him in, and then why all of a sudden when he's not doing what you want to do? Now this comes out again. That comes out after he says, "I want out of Houston." Well, how long did you sit on it? Yeah, 
Like how? Who knew what? There had to be a while if they were covering for him, covering up for him. Thirty plus women. Yeah. So it had to be a while. It had to be since he got in there. Exactly, and, and so it's just again, this all boils down to he he poked the bear by saying, "I want out." This breaks, and now everybody's having to clean up the mess, yeah. and nobody knows how. And we're all just wait. It's a waiting game. We're waiting on. The retired attorney general to come out and say, "Here's what's going to happen." Because once that's decreed, that's it. There is no, according to the CBA, there's no appeal. There's no nothing. That's what. That's the law. Yeah. Now Deshaun could sue the entire NFL and try to get a temporary restraining order against the whole thing, but I don't think that's going to be granted because then they're going to want to dig into everything else. And I, I, I honestly believe whatever's handed down, they're going to accept it. They're going to move on, and that's what's going to be. Um, and again, nobody's looking at it from the football perspective because the backup in Cleveland did not look very good. Uh, they put him in. Uh, I, I'm blanking on his name, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, no, I was another one. I can't remember. I think it was but but he didn't look very good. There, there's going to be prop football problems in Cleveland if Deshaun Watson's not there. So I mean, again, you got to look at the backup. I still say they're going to go get Jimmy Garoppolo. I think you bring in Jimmy G, you say, listen, you're going to be our starter for a year. Go prove yourself. Maybe we make a playoff ring because all Jimmy does is win, baby. You bring him in, he does his thing, and then he translates that into some sort of a contract with another football team. Because I think you know you're going to see. I mean, Tampa Bay maybe is open at the end of the year because you don't know what Tom Brady's going to do. He's still missing, by the way, and I'm going to get into that here in a little bit. Uh, that's a whole different deal. That's that's troubling. So Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is also playing. He's sitting there because it's been quite on his front. Yeah. And I honestly believe his camp is waiting on the Deshaun Watson ruling, and I I, I think it would just be a matter of days after that ruling comes out, that we may see if the ruling is you've got to send him for a year, I think Jimmy G goes to... I would not be surprised at all to see Jimmy G go to Cleveland um, and be the starting quarterback, be the placeholder for a year, and he translates that into some sort of a starting contract for, for somebody else. Yeah. Well, that would be great for him. I mean, but... Th- that's I, I the just... perfect scenario for him... Because everybody else is set at quarterback. Now, I guess you go to New York if you want to play for the Jets because Zach Wilson's hurt. Yeah. And if you want to play for them, maybe you go and do that. But, but again, so the Deshaun Watson thing just plays on on a lot of things. (laughs) A lot of things hinge on this decision. Um, Moving on, got to talk about our Cowboys. Our Dallas Cowboys. 17 penalties. In their first preseason and game, seventeen they, seven loss, and, and this is after we hire an officiating crew for practice. <laughs> At some point, the coaches have to take responsibility. You're it's, allowing it to happen. Yeah. Well, you look at it, and you know it's a lack of discipline. I mean, seventeen man, they broke a record for most penalties in the first preseason game. Yeah, seventeen penalties. Now, in my personal opinion, some of those. Some of those penalties were bogus. Like the rough in the passer and then, you know, Tyler Smith's two penalties, uh, I, I, I believe were bogus. Uh, because if you look at the film of the two penalties that uh, Tyler Smith had, Tyler Smith, the rookie, 
You know, they, they drafted first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, as a tackle. Uh, um, and moved over to guard. But if you look at those two penalties they, that they call holding. It wasn't holding. Rather, it was the same thing that was with him in college is excessive blocking. And he didn't know when to let go. But it wasn't holding. I guess it's holding in NFL terms, maybe. But that he didn't have his arm around him. But no, he just wrestled them to the ground. Yeah, there's a few of those calls that, yeah, you know, and if it's a regular season game, you probably have some argument there. Yeah. But it's still the fact that it continues to go on. I like what Clarence Hill wrote in his deal for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. He said either you are coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. It's as simple as that. You're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. And at some point, you know, we've we've heard it all offseason. We're going to clean up the penalties. We're going to clean up the penalties. You led the league with 127 penalties last year. And all we've heard is we're going to clean it up. You've got, you know, Jerry says, oh, leaders, leaders, we're going to bring in the officials. You know, you got all that going on, and nothing has changed. I, but it goes back to what I've asked about our Dallas Cowboys, is is there really a commitment to win this year? Or is it, hey, let's see what happens. We haven't made that many moves that are impactful moves. Let's see what happens. We're clearly not committed to cleaning up our act here. And I'm just going to, if you're Jerry Jones, it really feels like he is just sitting there waiting for the value of what you have to do to trade for, um, uh, man, this is a bad brain day for uh, Sean Payton. Oh, oh yeah. You know, yeah. So, so it's clearly, I, I think this is all about let's get through the season, let's hope that it's not a complete disaster, and let's see if you know, the market for Sean Payton goes down because he's still under contract. Even after this season, he will still be under contract technically with New Orleans. That means you're going to have to trade for him. They're going to want something in return. Now, the from what I've read, been t- heard, and all that, understand, the only reason Sean Payton is not coaching the Cowboys today is that they wanted, like, a couple of first-rounders for him. I mean, it, it was going to be a hefty price. If you wanted Sean Payton, you were going to have to trade away a lot of capital and maybe a good player, you know, a, a top-tier player. I don't believe that's going to be the case after a year. I mean, you know, clearly the value is going to be different. It's 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 like any other player. Sometimes you just kind of wait. Uh, and, and then you're talking about a guy who's sat out a year. He hadn't coached. So, you know, you're going to be bringing him in uh, kind of brand-new thing new season. Yeah. So, I honestly believe that's what Jerry's doing. But then if that's the case, come out and say it. Like, just go ahead and tell McCarthy, listen, I'm not sold on you because he's not. Jerry Jones held his own press conference, unprovoked by the way, he didn't have to do it. He held a press conference at training camp and when asked about the coaching situation, said, well, I've got a lot of options out there. Well, we all know what your option is, Jerry. It's Sean Payton. You you have for years pursued that man. You have, to your dying day, are going to want him to be the, the, the head football coach of your Dallas Cowboys. Just be honest with McCarthy. And then that raises my question. What did you tell Dan Quinn? Why did he suddenly take his name out of the head coaching market? 
What was that conversation like? And did you tell him, listen, I'm just going to pay you, you. You're a great defensive coordinator. I'm going to pay you a lot of money. You don't want the headache of being a head coach. So I'm just going to pay you a lot of money. I'm getting rid of Mike in a year. We're going to bring in Sean Payton. We're going to win a Super Is that the conversation you had, Jerry? Nobody's asking Jerry questions because nobody does. And even when they do, he doesn't answer them. But it, it's just amazing to me that this is continuing to happen. And that, you know, Jerry, who claims he wants, you know, Dallas to continue being America's team. And the only reason they're still America's team, by the way, is because anything they do makes national headlines. Like, you're yeah. Dallas Cowboys. But, but if that's what this season is, then be fair to the fans, be fair to McCarthy, and just come out and say, you know what, we're going to see what we can do. We're going to give it our best, you know, country try. But if we make it, we make it. If we don't, we don't. It doesn't matter. You're gone. Yeah. But the thing is, it's not just the fans and the coaches, but also the players. You got to realize these players, that's it's, 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 they're the ones on the field, you know, taking hits. It's wear and tear on nobody. If you don't have it figured out as far as who's going to lead this, you know, the, the big goal is always a Super Bowl. But if you yeah, don't well, have. According to Jerry, every year is a Super Bowl, but that's baloney. This well, if you're not about a Super Bowl. If you're not, is that, well, if you're not putting in the places, the pieces that need to be there, then you're wasting these guys' careers. Jerry's become nothing more than a talking head. Yeah. And so. Like, really, that's what he's become. Yeah. Like, he's a. Oh, it's every year's a Super Bowl. No, it's not. That That's. That's baloney. Well, that's why as a fan, you know, you hear that type of talk. I hear that type of talk. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to listen to it because I know there it's, 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 it's been placed off and built off mediocrity. Uh, now, the defense have improved, but as a team, as a whole, it's and it's like, okay, what's the direction that this team is going in? Uh, there was a – someone made a statement yesterday. I'm trying to find it. Uh was it Scott Hillman? No. Or Dick, which, who was his name is Hillman? And but anyways, he he made a statement saying that Dallas Dak is basically being used as a scapegoat. Dak's not the quarterback of the future. Like as much as Jerry wants people to believe that that's what he thinks, Jerry does not truly believe that Dak is the quarterback of the future. Because if he really believed that, if he really thought that Dak is a franchise quarterback, that he's the one that's going to win his championship, that he would surround him with receivers that could take him somewhere. He would surround him with a coaching staff that was designed to do what Dak wants to do. But he's done none of that. In fact, he plugged in a coach and an offensive coordinator that do not believe in any sort of a scheme that is set for Dak Prescott. Like it's, In fact, everything they've done is the exact opposite of what's best for Dak Prescott at this point in his career. Yeah, well, I, I I don't I I think if if you had to give Jerry Jones a reverse card in an Uno game, he would say, uh, yeah, I didn't mean that. Like I'm gonna put Dak on the on the uh, franchise tag, and I understand he did it for PR reasons because it would look really bad to just tag that guy with a franchise tag. But if he had to do that over again, he would, and he would say, you know what, I'm gonna pay you, but I'm not sold. Like, I'm not going all in. Now, he's stuck. Because who's going to take that contract? Like, even if you bring in Sean Payton, and Sean Payton goes, yeah, he's not my quarterback. Then what? 
Like, are, are, are you just going to keep cycling through head coaches until they finally tell you, yeah, we're okay with Dak? Like, if that's the case, then go find somebody who's catered to Dak. But you look at the type of schemes that Sean Payton draws up. You look at what Mike McCarthy's doing now with alongside uh, Kellen Moore. The, the guys who are in charge now and the guy that he desperately wants in charge does not do anything that's built around what Dak Prescott, the kind of quarterback that he is. So then what in the world are you doing, Jerry? Like, we need an answer. To, well, at some point he's going to have to answer. I look at it like this. You know, the, the talk about, okay, who does Cowboys have it, you know, at wide receiver? And this is probably what, uh, you know, brought up, you know, him being a scapegoat. Because you don't, you haven't necessarily placed any receivers around them. Right. Other than what you've drafted and what you have. But these guys, I mean, it's like, who, 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 who are they? You know, and I, I, you know, one of my favorite receivers on the Cowboys right now is Simi Fehoka. But to everybody else, it's like, okay, who is Simi Fehoka? He didn't play, didn't really play last season. They drafted him. He was a rookie last season. Mm-hmm. And now he's, he's on the second. Okay, so who is he? Uh, they just uh, drafted Jalen Tolbert, uh, TJ Vasher, who was on his second career. Noah Brown, who's been there for. I believe four or five years is just now looking like he's going to get a starting position. Uh, who, who, uh, C.D. Lamb, of course. Yeah, now, C.D. Lamb and, and Gap, those are your two horses. Yeah. Like, they're clearly, by far and away, the best receiver. Yeah, but you, you have those two. Okay, but what about everybody else? Like, okay, who do you go and get? You, do you need a veteran presence? And there's been talks. If you, you need a veteran presence, go get. Odell Beckham. Put him on a one-year deal. Just see. You know, yeah. he, he probably comes in the second half of the season. He well, he probably comes in bit. at the same time Michael Gallup exactly. comes in. So, comes back. so then you've got those two guys. And just having him around the football team, I think, would be helpful. Um, but, again, it goes back to what I, I don't think anybody saw on Dak. And I think until Jerry decides I'm either going to, to, to go all in on a coach or all in on my quarterback, we're going to continue to see this kind of inconsistency in the way that the team is run and the way the team is built. I, I, I put it like this. I believe and if there was a choice to be made, go all in on your quarterback. This is the reason why. Because Mike McCarthy is the guy that can get it done. We've seen him do it many of times over in, in, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. He can get, he's the guy for the job. But it's also about if you're going and you've decided, okay, I'm going to let this guy run his team the way that he wants to run his team. Coach his team the way he wants to coach his team. But also, if the quarterback position is at question, you need to go all in. Okay, okay. so say, okay, Dak is not the guy. You need to figure out what needs to be done. Do we need to draft a quarterback or do we need to sign another one? Um, because right now, if, if I know it was just the first preseason game, but looking at it, uh, Cooper Rush is inconsistent. Yes, he's uh, a talented kid, but he's yeah, he, he's inconsistent. Uh, ben DiNucci is coming along. He's probably he, he's more athletic than Cooper. Ben but, DiNucci, but it sounds like a that sound, every time somebody says his name, I think of Mario. Like Ben DiNucci. <laughs> well, <laughs> but uh, but okay, but so you have those two quarterbacks, like, but they're not 
and unless they work up to being that, like Tony Romo, mm-hmm. you know, Tony Romo was just he sat on the bench for three years. Nobody knew who the heck he was till uh, Bledsoe got hurt. And who's this guy, Tony Romo? You know, and he goes on to start for X amount of years. But anyway, so you don't know what's in store. Your backup quarterback position is looking shaky. Your starting quarterback position is is in question because, okay, can that get the job done? Is that the guy for the Dallas offense? Mm. You know? I think I, I believe that Kellen Moore is a very talented offensive coordinator. He has a lot of tricks up his sleeve. But also, um, just like you said, is that the type of quarterback for that offense? Now, if he is... Kellen Moore needs to make up in his mind that I'm going to go all in for Dak and with Dak so that we can move this offensive long, along because what it's been been like these last, what, two, three seasons that he's been offensive coordinator is that you will see a flash of like, wow, what's that? That looks mm-hmm. great. You know, we've never to now it's just a old dink and dunk. Uh, run a little pass a little that was there when Jason Garrett was quarter uh, was uh, head coach, mm-hmm. and so it's like it's almost like Kellen Moore shies away in the middle of the season. If you're gonna keep McCarthy, you're gonna have to get rid of Kellen Moore, and, and you're gonna have to tell McCarthy or McCarthy's gonna have to take over play call. Yeah, I don't. If, get- if you're bringing in Sean Payton. He's gonna fire by like he's gonna bring in his own guys except yeah. Dan Quinn. I think he would keep Dan Quinn. Oh uh, yeah, I don't think. And this is this is my question from watching this priest. And I know you don't show everything in the first preseason preseason game. I get that. That makes a lot of sense. But my question right now for Kellen Moore is, what are you gonna do with the fullback? You okay? They just let go of a fullback. Mm-hmm. I believe Nick Ralston, who they drafted last season, is still on the is still on the roster. He's a fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't know if the guy they, they they signed from out of Chicago. I think that was the one they let go. I'm not sure, but looking it up now. But what are you gonna do with your fullbacks? You know, are you gonna get Zeke some help in the backfield? Because if we look at Zeke now, Zeke has in his six years, I believe. Uh, well, now six years of playing in the, in the NFL, Zeke has seven thousand yards or or probably more. A little bit more. Um, if you look at Zeke's best years running, he had a fullback in the back, and you know, in the backfield with him, he had extra blocking, he had extra help. He didn't do that on his own based off of just skill. He had extra help. Emmett Smith had um, well, who was uh the, I can't even think of his. But Emmett Smith had a good uh, fullback blocking mm-hmm. for him along with a good offensive line. Your running back needs a fullback, and not only that for blocking, but your fullback. You go, you you fourth and two, fourth and one. There's no need why you need to be need to be uh going or trying to pass the ball on fourth and two. Use your fullback. But that's my question to Kellen Moore. What are you gonna do with your fullbacks? And, and it's a lot of questions with, with Dallas. And what are you gonna do with players that aren't being used? Because I'm tired of seeing Dallas signing and, and drafting fullbacks and putting them on special teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it makes no sense to me. You're, you're, you, you're getting these guys, and for the position that they are, but you're not using them. Rather, you put an offensive lineman back in the backfield, 
to do that same job when you have a guy on the sideline who plays that exact position, but you refuse to use him. So on their official depth chart, they don't even have a fullback listed. So, so if you if you look on the official depth chart, they have running backs: Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, of course, uh, Dowdle, Davis, and Shepkin. That's it. Yeah. Well, they just let one go. Okay. Well, what about Nick Ralston? Did they let? I mean, yeah, he's not listed. But see, that's what I'm saying. You draft these guys or sign these guys just to cut them. Why do that in the first place if you're not going to use them? Stop putting them on special teams and use them for what they are. But see, that's a that's my question with Kellen Moore. Is that and dude, are you going to be consistent throughout the season? Because it's like I said, it's like he shies off in the middle of the season. It's like he just it's like okay, that's all I got. I, I'm not, I don't want to use. I don't want to show. How do you spell that guy's last name? Who? Ralston. R A L S T O N. But it's like his, his, he shines off with his playbook in the middle of the season. It's like all that magic that was talked yep, about. He's gone. Is now yeah. Well, there you go. It's all that magic that that we talked about and we seen in the preseason is gone. I mean, you don't see it anymore. It, it's very it barely peaks its head during the season. So I mean, it, for Kellen Moore, he has a lot of growth to go, to do. How did he ever get head coaching interviews? I beats like, me, man. I, that was what amazed me about the whole coaching character. Now there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened in the NFL and, and college football as far as coaches and all that. But the fact that he even got interviews was incredible to me. He is not anywhere close to being a head coach. I question whether he's even supposed to be calling plays as an offensive coordinator at this point. Uh, so I. I, I don't know. If you're all in on Dak, be all in on Dak. If you're all in on McCarthy, be all in on him. Let him take over. Do something. Like, something has got to change. So, again, as you can tell, we're a little frustrated with our Dallas Cowboys. I'm sure y'all are out there. A lot of questions. Yeah. A lot. Moving on to other preseason observations from around the league. Uh, Zach Wilson got hurt, so questions in New York. Joe Flacco's probably going to be the starter right now as he was the backup. Uh, so look, looking at that, uh, of course, the Patriots, everybody's question, who's calling the plays? Well, in the first preseason game, uh, you know, Joe Judge was not. I mean, he clearly was part of the – so they've got Joe Judge and – the, the guy who got fired in Detroit. Man, we look like we don't Was know it, what we're talking about. Uh, Ma- Patricia? Patri- Matt Patricia. Yeah. I promise we do watch the games. We do know these guys. Yeah. I'm just having a hard time with names today. But, uh, so Patricia called the plays, but him and Joe Judge are, are working together to put together a game-by-game offensive scheme. Bill Belichick knows what he's doing, like, he He's he's the greatest coach of all time for a reason. Yeah. I wish we had the audio to play for you. But a reporter asked him about that after the game. And he said, we're going through a process. And the guy said, well, you know, for some of us, he said, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, I just would like to know more because, you know, we're all wondering. This is not what we're accustomed to seeing. He said, and we're going through a process. And walks off. 
it doesn't really matter. That's not going to play into. That's not the biggest problem in New England right now. There's still going to be a good football team. You got a quarterback who, in his rookie season, wins ten games. I mean, it, they're going to be fine. I don't know that they're a Super Bowl contender this year, but they're going to be fine over in New England. Um, I was impressed with the fact they could run the football. Whenever they wanted yeah. to run the football, they could run the football. Yeah. Uh, that was earlier, and then just over the weekend, uh, of course, Deshaun Watson played. He looked okay. He, he wasn't great. Uh, he hadn't played in two years, so we, you know, yeah, you really don't know what you're getting there. That's going to be a mixed bag if he even plays again uh, for them this season. Uh, so, but a lot of injuries, yeah, like a uh, lot of season-ending injuries coming well, out of the preseason. Well, go back to the Jets. You know, they uh, Zach Wilson's now hurt. Even before that, they lost their uh, starting tackle to a, a knee injury for the rest of the season. And there was a lot of questions about Zach Wilson even coming in that he had not played a college game in a couple of years because of injuries. Yeah, like, there was an injury history there with him. That's why I question why they drafted him so high that year. I didn't understand that. You had some other quarterbacks out there up on the board. Malik Willis looked good. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. For, for Tennessee. If you're riding Tannehill, I think you're probably starting to question that. Uh, honey, I don't know if I've got a starting job. Like, you go home, you don't know. But then my question is, what kind of offensive identity does Tennessee want to be at this point? What well, are you going to do with Derrick Henry? Are you going to just go tell him, yeah, you're not going to be our main guy anymore. Well, We're going to let this rookie. That's possible. That's possible. Then it's trade like, him. That's well. Pump your brakes because well, it's like I said the other day. Titans are one of the teams that's transitioning as as well as the Browns. That's transitioning from a run dominant offense into a passing offense. Now the run will still be there, but you use that. You keep that run because that run is still one of your strongest uh, um, powers. It's one of your. It's it's, it's what you have. But you're going to test that pass out. You go get the quarterbacks necessary for it. You go get the receivers necessary for it. For it. So I believe Tennessee is on this path. Is we're going to try the pass uh, and see how it works. And right now it's going really, uh, really well. As you know, Malik Willis had an outstanding uh, first preseason game. And so I say you keep Derrick Henry on, but you take it's taking that pressure off of him to be that main guy because we've seen it. Back in uh with in the day, uh as we know with uh Barry Sanders, mm-hmm. one of the best running backs in league history, but the Lions never got him any help. True, and he quit. He retired yeah, he early re- because they wouldn't he's give like, him. I'm any- not gonna die for you. Exactly. <laughs> so you keep Derrick Henry, but you take some of that pressure off of him. By starting to pass the ball, and, and I will say it would be interesting to see them leak him out of the backfield some, see what he can do in space. I believe it could work. Uh, I, I think it could, but then, but then you do have that ego thing with it. You know, how are you now going to go to him and say you've been our guy? Now you're not our guy. Tannehill knew he was like second fiddle to the rest of the team. He understood his job. Yeah. My question is now you're kind of transitioning. Now Malik <laughs> Willis is not being asked to just manage the team. Like he's, he's being asked a- to actually be the star. Like yeah. put on a show. I thought he did a good job. Interested to see uh, how many snaps he's going to take. Does yeah. Ryan Taylor get some, some preseason snaps there uh, this week? I, so, I, so I am interested to see that and what, what that's going to lead to. Yeah. 
these and I, we've seen these from the head coaches as well, but now and as players, teams have started to make more business moves rather than personal moves. Yes. Uh, you've seen more business, and I believe you're going to start to see more business moves than personal uh, business moves more than personal moves because teams are starting to figure out okay what's working and what's not going to work. You look at um, the the Aaron Rodgers deal. You know, they give him this big contract, and they get rid of all his receivers. That was business. That was nothing personal. And and he's so at peace with that, which is a whole. It's weird to me, but I mean, it is what it is. And and with this, uh, and then you see Baker Mayfield with the the Deshaun Watson business. It was business, a bit, not and now personal. we're gonna trade you. Yeah. Now he took it personally. Yeah. And I understand that. Like you go from from hey, we're gonna probably give you a contract extension to not only are you not getting an extension, you're not gonna be our starting quarterback. Exactly. Um and and, and we let, the NFL now has become such a money driven league. Like there's tons of money out there. Yeah, because you, you gotta get fans in those seats and you gotta get the, the, the network to where now people are watching you. Yeah, you've gotta be make to the network television games like the ESPN games and the CBS games, you know, yeah. all that, uh, NFL network, all those things. You want those nationally televised games, and you don't get that if you're not winning. Exactly. And it, <laughs> it just so happens that, you know, it, it sucks the way, you know, some of it happened, especially for Baker Mayfield, you know, because they told him one thing but did another. You know, that destroys somebody's trust almost Im- immediately, or if not immediately. But then you, we go to this Malik, Malik Willis with uh, Ryan Tannehill. We're business. With, but here's why. Okay, let's say Ryan Tannehill's not going to be the star in Tennessee. Where does he even fit in? Like, you start looking around the league, and here's the thing. We live in a, res- a, a, a world in the NFL where it's like, what can you do for me today? Yeah. And it's so results-oriented that if, if these young quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett, for instance, Kenny Pickett's probably not going to be the strong quarterback for Pittsburgh this season right now. As it stands, uh, uh, Mason Rudolph, at this point, uh, according to their coaching staff, is probably going to start the season. But if Kenny Pickett doesn't develop, they'll trade him. Like, that's gone. And he was the highest drafted quarterback in the draft this year. But you look at these guys that are drafted high. You know, Daniel Jones, uh, other ones. Now, they, they'll they move on. Like, they'll just draft a guy behind you at this point. Yeah. So you start looking around the league. That's what's happened with Malik Willis. It's like, okay, we're ready to move on from Ryan Tannehill. We're going to draft this guy. He's looking good. He may be the starting quarterback. Where's Ryan Tannehill fit in with the rest of the league? You start looking at the way that these other... He worked in that offense because he could just be a field general. Like, his job was don't lose the football game. Yeah. It wasn't going to win the football game for us. It was just don't lose it. Like, give the big guy his his carries, dink and dunk a couple times, and we're probably going to play good defense and win the game. But you don't have to go out there and win it. If he gets traded away from Tennessee... He's going to have to go win the football game. That's what makes it so interesting to me that San Francisco is so sold on Trey Lance. Now, he's going to be going a totally different deal than Jimmy G. You're asking Trey Lance to go win the football game. You've moved Debo Samuel out wide. 
kind of like what the Cowboys are doing with Tony Pollard. You mm-hmm. know, they're gonna they're gonna do some other things with Devo that they haven't been doing over there in San Francisco. So San Francisco would be a team that yeah, Tannehill would have fit in, but they're changing their yeah. offensive identity. Well, with Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel started out in that position. Uh, they moved him, start running him at at, in the, at the tailback position this past season, and he did a darn he, he good did a job. good job. But it, his stock went down because of it. Yeah, and that's why he wanted. Yeah. he's like move me back because I, I want back be, where he belongs. I want a bigger contract. I understand. Yeah. You know, but but you just start looking around the league and the implications of starting these young guys and then being successful. Well, what these other guys don't fit anywhere else, and you're not going to pay Ryan Tannehill a bunch of money to be your backup. Yeah, no. I, I think we're starting to see an NFL where you're going to see a backlog of these not so great quarterbacks that just sit there. And they're just out there in free agency. Maybe if somebody gets hurt, you just plug them in, see what they can do. Oh, it's a couple of them that were drafted uh, top. Uh, Paxton Lynch. Uh, you see, Carson Wentz just went to uh, the the Washington Football Team. Yes. Uh, all these guys were drafted high. Their careers haven't really stood out any at all. Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles. These guys. Well, even though he's won, he won a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, but he lucked into a certain... But look at him now. I mean, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Now, look at him. But, I mean... He's third string in Chicago. <laughs> for the Bears. I mean, that's what I'm saying. They they, they just push these guys now. to the side. And, yeah. and I think we're going to see a backlog of that. Where do they go? Yeah. Like, Nick Foles has nowhere to go. He desperately wanted to go to Indianapolis. And didn't get that. They they decide, hey, we're gonna go get Matt Ryan and save his career. Yeah. From being nothing for the last couple of years of his <laughs> life down in Atlanta. You know. Yeah, that that was a bad deal. That was almost like the Joe Flacco. Yeah, I mean it's just you stick them on teams that aren't very good. You got But you you look at and you say they're just gonna put the push these guys to the back. These are guys who have come from dominant uh, when uh, with Nick Foles when they won that Super Bowl they were a running team they weren't he, passing he was the ball. charged the, with the same thing like Jimmy G, just don't lose the ball game yeah and and with Ryan Tannehill these guys they they don't have the best arm they have a good enough arm to be able to dink and dunk when it's needed mm-hmm. but other than that they're handing the ball off. And as you look at the pro- progression of the NFL today, you have a lot of guys just like Malik Willis who's slinging it, and even coming up in college and out of high school into college. And so you have guys out there that are just slinging it sixty plus seventy yards. That's what that's the progression of football as of today. So you're going to see a lot of guys like Ryan Tannehill, um, heck, even Baker Mayfield, um, and then Nick Foles, and then. You see quarterbacks like you're going to start to see them kind of fade away because the that league was one is one of my biggest takeaways from the preseason this past week. Was I'm looking at these young guys going, we're about to have a backlog of middle to to lower end quarterbacks. Yeah, it's it's about but see that's and and as receivers have progressed, we're getting more receivers than running backs. Yeah, and so the the game is pro- progressing into more passing than it is running. Um. 
And it is what it is. But at the end of the day, you can't... It makes it hard for those quarterbacks. Because like you said, where do they fit in? Where can they find a team that's going to say, okay, we can use you for something? Mm-hmm. All the, everybody's in, well, I, can, I don't have a strong enough arm. I can get it, you know, maybe 30, 30 plus 40 yards, but that's it. I can't really go... But what? Okay, so what are you going to use them for? What is if Ron Hill doesn't work out in Tennessee and Malik Willis gets that starting job? What do they do with him? Or what? Ha- where does he go? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see him. I, I can't see him going any anywhere else. I just I can't because everybody's throwing the ball. Now the only other team is. Uh, the Raiders has a good a good running offense this year. But they've got Derek Carr, and that's the only kind of offense that he can fit. That's yeah. what I'm saying. We went through a period where we designed the offense around guys who were okay quarterbacks, and we were just like, don't lose the game. Now those same teams are drafting guys that they're wanting to put the ball – they're wanting to get them out there early in their careers, get them on that rookie contract, see what you can do on that cheap contract, and do what you can, and then decide what you're going to do as an organization. And they're wanting to see what they have now. And that's what struck me in the preseason is they, everybody is looking at what can we get out of these young guys. Now, I understand preseason games, you don't play all your veterans anyways, but it just really stood out at the quarterback position that everybody is sold on because all eyes were on Malik Willis. All eyes were on Kenny Pickett. All eyes were on... Even Matt Corral. Like, yeah. Everybody want to know what can these guys bring to the table because these are supposedly the future of their franchise. Right. You don't draft guys like that and say, well, we're going to put you at backup and you're just going to be. No, you draft with the intention that you're going to be our starter. Yeah. Uh, but, like I said, it's business. It's it, nothing personal. Yep. It's, it's business. business. And these teams, they're looking at the future. Quarterbacks like Malik Willis, uh, Kenny Pickett, and uh, uh, Corral, those are the future faces of those teams or those franchises. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is what it is. But the future is now. That's what gets me, is the future is now for a lot of these teams. Yeah. And it, I, it just blows my mind. So, well, it could either end up like the Giants with Daniel Jones. Did you put him out there too soon and then and regret then it? destroy his career. Yeah. Now, that's a team that if they're looking around the league, they're going, okay, we've got all these young quarterbacks. They're getting their reps. What do we have? Like, where are we going? Yeah. And that it almost feels like, after watching some of the, the games this past weekend, that if you don't have a young guy, and this is this is where you know teams like uh, Dallas even are in trouble. If you don't have a young guy in waiting at the quarterback position, you're two or three steps behind the rest of the league right now. Like that was one of my biggest takeaways from the preseason, the the first week of the preseason, is everybody else. The future is now for these quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a plan to, to figure that out, you're going to be behind. I mean, it just is what it is. And it, it, it that's just the way that the league is now. It's not built around veteran players, per se. It's built around who can 
can be the most talented right now on a cheap contract. Let's win while we can and then decide what we're going to do you know, in a couple of years and, and, yeah. and see where that goes. Another story that's not being talked about, so, you know, uh, preseason coming up again this week. We'll, we'll break that down next week. Uh, what we see is the preseason moves on. I'm kind of eager to see some of these guys get some more reps, yeah. see what that looks like, see if the Cowboys can clean it up. Um, another story that, that kind of got put out there and then it, it trickled in and out of the national spotlight is Tom Brady is not at camp. He, he left. Now, granted, everybody's saying, okay, this was agreed upon before the season started. Nobody's talking about what's going on. There's been no leaks from his camp as to why. All that's being said is it's a personal issue. It's not health related. And this was agreed upon before camp. He did say it's important for me to keep a work-life balance. How committed... My question, and nobody has asked Tom this, did you really want to come back this season, or did you just not know what you wanted to do, and so you felt like you needed to, and then a couple of days later you negotiate the contract to be, you know, the number one guy in the booth over at uh, Fox? I mean, you know, you, you've done all this. So what are you? What's your plan? You know, I don't know. I, I really, I he desperately wanted to be a Miami Dolphin. Mm-hmm. He wanted that gig bad. I mean, he they, they had it all set up. He's going there. Sean Payton's going there. He's going to be part owner of the football team. I mean, he desperately wanted that. That fell apart because of the whole Brian Flores situation and, and the Stephen Ross thing where, you know, did they tamper? Did they throw games? There's this lawsuit. All of that mess. So that falls through. Understand, he is one of the greatest, you know, and arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. He wants to win. I nobody's going to sit here and say, "Oh, Tom Brady doesn't want to win." But my question is, how committed are you going to be this season? Is it going to be like this, where hey, I got to keep this work-life balance thing? Let's try. You know, Gronk's not here. He might. You know, it doesn't look like Gronk's coming back this time. Maybe he looks around and goes. Guys, you know, like, where is everybody? Yeah. Um, and and it, it just strikes me that I understand, you know, everybody's emphasizing, oh, well, we knew before camp started. What? I, I, it just strikes me as he looked around and went, wait. Uh, well, it's a question. Did, did Tom really want, what's the, what's the plan? Because I question... Why did he come back? Even you retired, then not even a week later, say, well, I'm not retiring. Now, he says that he didn't want, you know, he felt pressure by me. I understand that story broke early. Adam Schefter just put it out there. Hey, I'm hearing. And it kind of pushed Tom to go, and everybody started throwing out the bouquets. Well, he's done, you know. And so then he kind of comes out and says, yeah, I guess I'm done. I understand. It's hard. You know, you sit around and go, well, now what am I going to do? But... I think if if he gets the broadcast deal earlier, I think it's different. Yeah. He didn't get that until later. Then all that kind of falls into place. But he'd already committed to coming back to Tampa Bay. He and he can say what he wants. That organization organization can say what they want. He wanted Bruce Arians gone. 
Bruce was wearing on him. That style of... Co- it was like, listen, I'm none. You're not going to not show up all weekend and come in in the last minute and change my game plan. Like, you're not going to do that. It yeah. was clear. He didn't want to play for Bruce Arians anymore. That's why he desperately won out of Tampa Bay. I thought he was going, and everybody else did. He's going to San Francisco, where he's from. He's going to finish out his career. He's going to play a year. He's done. That didn't happen. And the, apparently, you know, the Miami thing was in his back pocket the whole time. That falls through. But I, I, I'm i sorry. I understand it's Tom Brady. Tampa Bay, in my opinion, is not going to be a Super Bowl contender. They, they, you know, they're going to be in the playoffs. I just don't see them as a Super Bowl contending team. They don't have the pieces around him that they've had in the past. Uh, they didn't bring everybody back like they did the year after the Super Bowl run. Yeah, I, I, they're one of those teams that they're just going to be a middle team. They're not in a rebuild, but they're not kind of like the Cowboys. They're not in a rebuild, but they didn't do anything to make themselves any better. Right. They didn't get better. You know. Granted, they have Tom Brady and we don't, but <laughs> it's still that same feeling around them that, hey, we're going to try, and, you know, Tom Brady, oh, we're going to, one more time, a lot of things left to prove on the field, then why did you leave the team for 12 days, you know? Yeah. What, what's the deal here? What, why are all of a sudden is there this ultra-focus on work-life balance? If you're fully committed to playing football for another year, what's that about? Uh, so, I mean, that's just something to kind of keep up with, yeah, you know, when he comes back, what he does when he comes back. Be, be interesting, you know, but it, it is his story because it's Tom Brady. Exactly. I mean, Tom Brady is like the LeBron James of the NFL. I mean. <laughs> just better. Yeah. I mean. Championships. Yeah. And. How many rings you got, Chuck? I mean. No <laughs> but, uh, it's, like I said, it's. It, it's Tom Brady, really, man. I mean, I, I do, I, to this day, question what's going through his mind. Did he really want to return to football? Or is it something that he knows that nobody else knows? Or is it some kind of plan that's up his sleeve, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, he could end up in Miami for, you know, final year. I'd say Tom Brady got, got like, maybe two more seasons left under his belt. That's if he gets through this season well enough. But I think he only goes to Miami if Sean Payton goes to Miami. And if Sean Payton, if, if Jerry really wants Sean Payton, Sean Payton's going to Dallas. It's just, well, that's, that's See, a Dallas, good question. See, Dallas, again, comes back. This is why they're America's team. Because they're still at the center, even in a situation with Tom Brady. Yeah. I, I just question... What is everybody's plan here? Does does Sean Payton want to go to Miami or does he want to be in Dallas? But he can't be in Dallas if they're going to be if they're going to keep McCarthy. And what do they? But it, but you know that there's kind of, and this is why I think Jerry's dancing around it because they just popped Miami big time for tampering. Yeah, Jerry's not going to let it leak. Oh, I've been having conversations that, with Sean. Yeah, exactly. But you know he has because he said I've got options. Well. Jerry, your only option is Sean. Uh, exactly. But this is the thing about Jerry uh, Jerry Jones, and I've said this uh, for the longest. He doesn't tell everything. Now, he tells the media exactly what they want to hear. He tells the fans exactly what we want to hear. But he's not going to tell you everything. He's not going to tell you the plan exactly. He's not going to tell you the moves. He rather keeps it as a secret, even though you may expect him to do what he does 
You never can be too sure about Jerry Jones. So it just might be that Jerry Jones kind of determines the path of Tom Brady. Now that is a twisted turn of events. That's a man with too much power. <laughs> but That's he, a man with too much power. He's Jerry Jones, man. He's Jerry Jones. So just kind of, that's going to be something that we're going to keep up with. You need to keep up with it because it's an interesting yeah. topic. Uh, just kind of a storyline to follow is, uh, you know, what about Tom Brady? Uh, Antonio Brown. So what a sad, uh, <laughs> oh, but, but what a sad case. Honestly, it's sad. Here's a talented guy who clearly needs help. Yeah. I mean, he, he came out, he said, you know, Jerry just needs to call me. But then that, the the statement before that was, my only regret in my career was that I didn't get to watch myself play because it's the equivalent of watching Jesus Christ and the Beatles live. Yeah. And I mean, like, the the guy has problems. He, he clearly has problems. Go get you some help. But that that's a broader conversation. There's a lot of players yeah. out there, man. They need help. Yeah. And well, we're starting to see it now more day now today, you know, for our players. Um the 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 worry with CTE, you know. Got uh, retiring early. Yeah, retiring early because of it. Um Andrew well, to keep, walked to away keep from, from football. Yeah. And I don't blame him. I listen, man. The way this sport football is played, it's a violent sport. I mean, it is what it is. No matter how many rules and they put in place, it's a violent sport. You're going to take some kind of hit to the head. So I don't, I don't, I don't fault these players for starting to retire early. Man, do it if 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 it's if you have a family and you want to be around for your family and your kids to be able to function well with them and football and leaving football is the only thing that will enable that. Do what needs to be done, you know. But what Antonio Brown is, and this is why I don't think, this is why I question why they didn't get him help sooner or examine him. Because when he was taking those, when he was still playing with the Steelers, Mm -hmm. when he was taking all those hits from the head to the head and getting knocked out and all this, they should have examined him soon. Right then. Yeah. And said, okay, you're not fit. You have too much damage done to continue on with a... A healthy career in football, and now it's starting to show that there is clearly something wrong with him. Yeah, and I think you know, again, deep down, that's happened to a lot of guys. Yeah, Uh, and and there just needs to be a conversation about we want to win, but you you need to be a healthy human. Yeah, not at the not not at the expense of your health. Yeah. And so I just I, I I just wanted to briefly bring that up. I mean, one because it was such an absurd comment, but two, two you know, just kind of have that little conversation and, and remind all of our fans out there. Yes, these are athletes, but they they're also human beings, and we have to remember that they've got a life outside of that sport. At some point, everybody is told you can't play. Yeah. And and, and the question is, okay, what is your plan after that? Well, for a lot of these guys like that, that is. A debilitating thing because now anything I might want to do is going to be hindered because for the rest of my life I'm going to be dealing with this thing called CTE, you know, and I'm going to have memory problems, mental problems, you know, whatever the case may be. So just, just a kind of a somber thing, yeah, but, a, but it, but it is what it is. I mean, it's just part of it. Yeah. NBA's real quiet, but there's still an ongoing saga in Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know, like. 
at what point do we just say, you know what, apparently, Kevin, do what you want? Uh, apparently, KD still can't be trusted. I guess. Uh, Curry, yeah. I mean, just that do what were, you want. I guess. Why are the even Lakers rumors? being so quiet about this? Like, if 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 the deal is that Kyrie's going to L.A., just say that. I guess they're trying. I guess they're trying to catch the shock and all, you know. But I don't know. It was uh, this is how weird the KD thing has gotten. There were rumors apparently of him retiring. Why that is even out there, I don't know. He might as well. Like because here's the problem that I have with Kevin Durant. He's a nice guy. Like you want to like him. You want to root for him. But at this point, he goes to teams, he signs these big contracts, he takes their money, he stays a year, and then he says, okay, I want out. Like, that's but, all but, he and, does. Yeah, but why? He doesn't give a reason why, per well, se, but at this he point, got man, what he wanted. He wanted a ring. He picked one off, an easy one with Golden State. Yeah. It just is what it is. Just admit that. Hey, I went there because I knew that's a loaded team. I was gonna make it, pick it off, go get it, and move on with my life. But don't keep dragging other teams, other organizations into this charade. <laughs> it's a mess, not just with, with him because it's like I said before with Kyrie. Kyrie made a promise that to KD that you know we will, you know, I'll help you win another ring. And then he's like, yeah, no, never mind. Yeah. I didn't mean. He opts in to the contract at the days of wondering if whether or not he was gonna, you know, him saying, "Okay, I want to get Trey, I want out of Brooklyn." Then he says, "Okay, I'm going to stay." And then a couple of days later, I want out. And, you know, well, and I want to go to the Lakers. Ke- Kevin says, "Yeah, I'm out." Like, what, yeah, what? James is gone. Kevin's gone. Do I want to play with Ben Simmons? I don't think so. Hey, hey, guys. Yeah. Uh, on second uh, thought, speaking of Ben Simmons, apparently uh, Stephen A. Smith. Uh, talked to him and said, said he assured him that he will be back. I I don't believe a thing that Ben Simmons says. <laughs> ben Simmons he said is he's probably the back. biggest ripoff of any basketball player. He how do you sit out of the playoffs? How do you hurt your back? You've been sitting on the bench and now you can't play in a playoff game because my back hurts. Like what you do? Did you clap too hard? Did you reach for the water bottle <laughs> really? Like. You haven't played. What is the deal there? I mean, I, that whole situation. Brooklyn needs to tear it down. If you don't want Steve Nash, get rid of Steve Nash. If that's not who you want. But I don't believe Steve down. Nash is the deal. Is he's the- not the problem, but I, he's not who they wanted. They brought him in because Kevin Durant said, if I'm coming, I want Steve Nash to be my coach. Now Kevin Durant is the same guy saying, okay, if you keep me, you got to fire him and the GM. Like, what? <laughs> what? what? I mean, if... Just decide what direction that you want your organization to go in. I would not hitch my wagon to Kevin Durant if I'm anybody. I, I don't. What what does the market even look like? like what are you giving up for him? Uh, and, and what are you getting in return? I mean, what? And also the other question, um, just from a basketball perspective too, is what kind of offensive identity would Brooklyn have at that point? You've got Ben Simmons. You can't shoot. Like, he's supposed to be your big guy. He can't shoot. Until he proves otherwise, he's a non-factor. But you can't be a three-point team anymore because you traded your guy in James Harden because he looked around and said, this is a circus. Yeah. Like, what? 
I made a mistake. Let me go to Philadelphia for a minute. But you look at it. These three guys that's running the NBA league, the headlines right now. We got Russell Westbrook, Katie Harden. They all played on the same team at one point over in OKC. Figured out we just can't do together. We got to split up. We figured, we're seeing now that these guys, they cannot play on a team with each other, with, with with each other or with other stars. They have to be the front guy. The the mistake that everybody made when when Golden State was so good, you know, they went on that run, and of course they coming off a championship year this past year. But they when they went on that run, like it looked like they may win five or six in a row. Like no, it didn't. And so everybody said, okay, to beat them, we're going to go stock up. We're going to make a super team. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake. Th- those don't work. The only the only super team, if you want, that really worked was Miami with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. And the only reason it worked was because the other two said, okay, we're going to take a back seat. We don't have to be the guys. Right. Like, we're willing to take a back seat. The problem is now... They're, everybody's building these teams, and nobody's willing to take a back seat. Everybody wants to be that guy mm-hmm. all the time, and it's just not gonna work. And, and and so until these teams like Brooklyn and others, and even Los Angeles is gonna have to come to grips with this. You've got to quit trying to build a super team. You need to hire a coach. Ask the coach, where are the coaches? Like, has anybody thought, hey, maybe? Maybe I ought to go ask the guy that I've hired to win games how he wants to win games. Like, yeah. What's his plan? Instead, what we're doing is we're dumping players on these coaches and saying, oh, wait, no, go build an offense around these guys. Yeah. Well, no, wait, time out. You hired me to run this offense. Now you don't want me to run this offense because so-and-so doesn't want to run the offense. What, what am I even here for? And it starts with LeBron James started it all because he decided I'm going to hire and fire coaches whenever I want to. <laughs> he did it in in Cleveland, and he said, and everybody looked and said, "Oh well, that's what you got to do to win championships. You got to take over the team." That's not how it works. It's, no. it's a player empowerment. Speaking of him, um, what about Bronny? <laughs> so, I, interesting enough. Let me read this to you. This is from Sports Illustrated, I believe. As you can tell, there's just a plethora of things to talk about in the sports world right now. Okay, this is from Sports Illustrated that said three only three major programs are actively recruiting Bronny James. Because now it's... So it was that, oh, he's going straight from high school to the league... Now it's like, well, no, wait a minute. He's going to have to go play college ball. and it, So, reportedly, ESPN reported the other day on Friday, ESPN reported that he was being pursued by UCLA, okay. USC, Michigan, Ohio State, and Oregon, among other elite college programs. However, it has since come out, according to uh, On3.com, that only Ohio State, Oregon, and USC are actually actively recruiting Bronny James. Maybe he's not the player that everybody thought he was going to be. And LeBron needs to think about that. I, I believe with LeBron, and this is why I said the other day, LeBron needs to take into consideration, man. You're talking about you want to be able to play 
with your son. I get that. That would be a father's dream. But you have to consider your age, man. <laughs> and, and and also not that. Is your son even going to make it to the league? And if he, whoever he goes to, do they want you? Will they want you? Because it's get to a point. It's gonna get to a point where you're never gonna. You're not just gonna be able to go anywhere you want to because of your name that you carry. Listen, man, you're getting LeBron. He's getting older. He's starting to miss games because of little, you know, ankle injuries, quad injuries, groin. You play. You're on a limited time limit when you do play, but you want to play with your son. But now you don't even know if his son's going to be good. Like, again, nobody asked the question, can the kid play? I and obviously, I mean, there's some questions because if he was just this, by all means, where's Kentucky? Where's Duke? Why aren't they talking to him? Like, if he's the guy, then these other top programs would be looking at him. They're not even looking at him, much less actively recruiting him. Yeah. I think we put too much stock in these guys because of their name. That, uh, that well, just you look at LeBron, you know his son, and he. There's no doubt that he can play basketball. Either one of his sons, there's no doubt that they can't play basketball. They can play basketball. But the thing is, are these other universities like you just named Duke, uh, UNC, yeah. Kentucky, uh, Villanova? All these guys. All these coaches looking at them beyond just their name and saying, you know what? They got something, but it may not be what my program needs or wants. Yeah. You know, because we're looking at it. LeBron thinks that, oh, that's my son. They're just going to take him. We're looking at it from a public and a fan standpoint by saying, okay, wow, man, that's LeBron James. And looking at what LeBron James has done and then saying, okay, that's LeBron James' son. They got to be just as good as he is. That's not completely true. That's no, a lot of yeah. players. That yeah, yeah, and, but and that's the just like I said. Is it based off their name? Now they can play, but are they just getting recognition because of their because their dad is LeBron James? I've seen some film of Bronny. If his last name wasn't James, he's just another kid. Like he might eventually develop into somebody that we would be talking about. But I'm saying he doesn't get the national recognition that he's getting now. He's got that recognition because LeBron's been talking about him since he was ten years old. Yeah, and and notice it was LeBron talking about him. It wasn't everybody else. Like LeBron kept saying, "Oh, you know, my son, this, my son." Well, okay, yeah, you know, it's just one of them things. Yeah. Um, as we kind of wind up the show here, just a few more headlines: Major League Baseball, Texas Rangers. They fired Chris Woodward. They moved on. Tony Beasley won two to one in his debut as the interim manager. The big thing there, Texas was was on the 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 move up, the rise. They were starting to take a step forward. There's an expectation that we might be on the periphery of the playoff picture. Um, that didn't happen. A lot of inconsistencies. They just want to see what can this club do what do we need to do to be in contention probably next year within the 2023 yeah. season and, and you know moves like this help uh, the Philadelphia Phillies fired Joe Girardi and Rob Thompson takes them and now they're they're right back in the thick of things for the playoffs I'm not saying that's going to happen in the last uh, month and a half of the season 
for the Texas Rangers, but I do expect that maybe we can start seeing some consistency on their part uh, moving forward and, and create some momentum and excitement uh, going into the offseason and into the 2023 season. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, happy for Tony Beasley. He's a baseball lifer. Uh, he's gotten some opportunities to manage in the minor leagues. This is his first gig in the majors at that. And so just kind of excited to see that. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., the superstar for uh, San Diego Padres, popped for 80 games yeah. over the steroid issue. His family's claiming it was a ringworm mess. These players come up with all sorts of... And even if it was, it's immaturity on his part. He was already out because of a, uh, a four-wheeler or motorcycle accident that he caused... You know, um, so, got, man, if you're going to be the face of Major League Baseball, if you're going to be the face of a franchise, man up. Like, get mature, put the team first, and that's what his coaches are talking about, his, his teammates. So, for me, before I'm sold on him, I'm going to have to see some maturity. Accept responsibility for what you've done here. Take your suspension, learn from it, grow from it, and come back a better player. Yeah. Uh, but that's a big hit. Not only for the Padres, that's a big hit for baseball because he was one of the young guys that everybody was looking at. So, uh, you know, eager to see where where that goes. Uh, other things. Serena Williams retires. Oh, yeah. End of an era, man. End of an era. Coming to an end of an era. That's, I mean, that's something. I remember watching her uh, as a kid, her and her sister, when they used to play matches together. And they would dominate. I mean, constantly dominate. And they've led an era of tennis for decades. And so, I mean, it's for over 20 de- you know, 20, 20 years. Um, so, to see that, you know, she's, she's come out, you know, to say, you know, after the, the U.S. opener, I'm going to retire. You know, I, I say to her, man, woman, well done. Well done. Great career. Great. Great. I mean, nothing... I believe she left every you know everything out there. Uh, if she had anything different, she could have done. I don't think it would have been much, but man, she literally played her heart out every time. Her and her and her sister, and man, career well done. I mean, she she leaves behind you know a legacy. You know, other young tennis players coming up behind her, and so I mean, I'm just I, I'm 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 proud of the work she's done on and off the court. And then, so the Live Golf Tour uh-huh. has taken over. Like, they're stealing everybody. <laughs> so, they even, they offered Tiger Woods hundreds of millions of dollars. He turned around. He's sticking with the PGA. But I read where today, there's a, him and some of the higher-ups in the PGA are going to have a sit-down and discuss what to do. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the future is for golf. Call Happy. <laughs> yeah, happy. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is here. Everybody, you know, well, this is, you know, sports washing all the, the problems in Saudi Arabia, and that's what the Saudis are trying to do here. You've got Charles Barkley involved where they're trying to pry him away from TNT, you know, to throw a bunch of money for him to go be a commentator and, and promoter. I, I and, and I think Charles brought up a good point. If we're going to say, okay, don't do that because they're Saudi back, then question all the leagues. 
Because, I mean, the NFL's got a what they're calling a predator playing starting quarterback for one of their franchises. They had an owner who was involved in sex trafficking. <laughs> and they covered that up. I, you know, like, <laughs> I, I think it's hard for us to really hammer the... Oh, well, they're... I think it's only because it's Saudi Arabia. I, but if it wasn't did America, become the morality police. Always. Well, it's, I know, but I mean, I'm saying, when should we? We just got to the point that now it's in sports. <laughs> but I mean, it's you shouldn't be saying, "Okay, well, it's Saudi Arabia. They got problems. We got problems going on here." We just named a few in sports. Uh, so just to say, because it's Saudi Arabia, Arabia, there's an issue. No. Uh, just don't be mad. They took your guys and yeah. offered and gave and offered and are paying them a lot more. And you're just so lucky to keep one of the best guys. Now y'all got to figure out what y'all gonna do. Move on. Figure it out. You know. But um, I do have a question as to where these people, where they came from, because this kind of just happened for for me. You know, in my knowledge, this just kind of happened out of nowhere. You know, it came out of nowhere. Well, they've been planning this for over a, a year. And it's just been kind of quiet. Now, there was some whispers that, hey, the Saudi back lived here. They're, they're getting money together. They're trying to do this. And Phil Mickelson was involved. That's what started it. And then the, the whole can of worms opened up on Phil. Okay, why is he not playing many of the PGA events? And, and come to find out he was negotiating with them to kind of be the face of it. Um Again, it, it's an interesting story to me. I'm, I'm interested to see what comes out of this meeting between the PGA and Tiger Woods and what the decision's going to be um, moving forward, what Charles Barkley decides to do, because then that changes the whole team over in TNT. The, the, this because the deal is TNT's going to cut him. Yeah. If he goes to the Saudi back live tour to save face, TNT's going to cut him. The live tour has heisted the PGA yeah. tournament. I mean... Mm-hmm. Tour, they they've heisted them. They they've taken the players. Now they're getting the promoters. They're getting whoever they can get. They're they're getting. Yep. All save except Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's getting ready to retire anyway. So, <laughs> is this the new face of golf? Are it they could the, be? Are they? You know, it may it very very well could be. All I say for PGA tour, I, I hate y'all. Better figure it out. Yep. Figure it out. That's all y'all can do right now. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. Oh. Uh, Hope y'all have enjoyed this. It's another episode of Good Old Sports, and we will see you next week.